several passages of Scripture this morning for the message. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul having said what he did in Romans chapter 10 about believing in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead will save you, it being a condition uh, for salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51 and following tells us some of the benefit of knowing him and of believing in the resurrection. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery, verse 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11 tell us very clearly what was on the, on the mind of the Apostle Paul the writer of the two passages that we just read in your hearing. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I may know him, speaking of Jesus Christ. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said there's one thing that I must have knowledge of, and it's not just one thing, it's one person. I must know him if I'm going to attain to the resurrection of the dead. If I am going to be a beneficiary of the resurrection on this Resurrection Sunday, we uh, celebrate the Lord Jesus resurrecting from the grave after having been in there for three days. 
The truth is we celebrate every Sunday. That's why we worship on the first day of the week because Jesus uh, came out of the grave on the first day of the week. And historically you look at, uh, at, at the, the New Testament church and you'll find that they met and, and they continue to meet on the first day of the week. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about the power of the resurrection. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, when we look at life, we often want to ask, is that really all there is? You look at life and wonder, is this all we have to look forward to? Because of the inevitable problems and, and the valley experiences of life, we're tempted to say, is this what I'm giving my life for? Is there not something more? In fact, when we grow close to the end of life as men and women, we look back and wonder if it was worth it for us to have spent our lives as we have. We wonder whether we've made a contribution in life that's lasting or if what we've done will soon be forgotten. We begin to feel like we've lost in the game of life sometimes. But wait, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can now say, that yes, we, we may have had some valley experiences in our lives. And we may have even struggled throughout our lives. But because of the, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can say that we did make a contribution in life. If we have a personal relationship with Him. In fact, when we look at our lives, we can say of ourselves... Because of the resurrection of Christ, I can now look at myself as one who is a, who is a winner in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. Some people go through lives, uh, life and their lives, they, they seemingly make no contribution whatsoever. They seemingly have nothing that they stood for. They had no purpose in life. They just kind of showed up and that was it. But the truth is, that's not God's design for any person. God has a desire for every one of us to, uh, to, to know that we have fulfilled our purpose and that we did make a difference. That we didn't just take up space and, and use valuable oxygen while we were living here on this earth. God wants us to know that when this is all over, that we did make a difference. And the great news is we can. That we, we can know that we, we can live life in confidence. When we talk about being a winner in life, and, and for that matter, a winner as we live both now and for eternity, one might ask, how can we win? What does this, how does this come about? What, does, what kind of difference does, does knowledge of the resurrection Make in my life. Why would Paul say, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection? 
Well, I want to give you a very simple, simple little outline this morning that I think that will help you to understand how this great event, when understood and appropriated and truly a, a, a heart knowledge of this, this thing we call the resurrection, will help us to be winners in life and, yes, for eternity. Let me give you three very simple reasons uh, that it's true. Number one, we're winners over death. If we have knowledge of the resurrection, if our faith is in the, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we all of a sudden begin to realize that, that death is not a problem for us any longer. You see, the, the, the greatest power of death is the fear of what it holds. Is it just the end without further activity for man? Or, 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 or is there life afterward and an accounting for this life? Well, the answer is found in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 tells us the answer to, the, to that question. It says, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So there is life after death. In fact, when we, when we talk about this whole issue of death, uh, we've got to understand that, uh, uh, that, that we don't have to fear any longer. If we have a personal relationship with God through Christ, we don't need to fear what death holds. The resurrection releases us from the fear of what death holds. It becomes just another experience in life. For you see, every one of us, no matter who we are, we're going to live forever. It's just a matter of where we're going to live and how we're going to live. There's, a, there's an issue called the quality of life. For in fact, you see... For those of us who know the Lord Jesus as personal Savior, it's eternal life with God in heaven. And without Him is eternal separation from God in a real place called hell. And I know it's not mentioned much in church these days because, in fact, you know, it's kind of negative and it's kind of a downer. But the truth is, it's a place worthy of mention because we need to escape it. Call me old-fashioned if you wish. Call me whatever you'd like to call me. But call me this. Call me one who wants to be sure that everyone who, who hears this preacher preach from the Word of God understands that the gospel is a good news that man does not have to go to hell. Amen. That God never wanted anybody to go to hell. The only reason He made hell was for the devil and His angels, not for men and women. God loves us. And God doesn't send any of us there. If we go there, it's because we made a conscious choice to reject God's plan of missing the place. And that God's plan is bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. For you see, when we, when we talk about living forever, when we talk about living forever with God, and we talk about this subject of, 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 of death just being another experience in the, in the life of man, 
Actually, we are following the prototype in this thing. When we, when we die, when we resurrect, it's going to be that we're just following the pattern that was set by Jesus himself. The Bible refers to him as, as the first fruits of the resurrection or the first one. Now, were there people who were raised from the dead? Yes, there were. I mean, all the way back in the Old Testament days, there, there were people. You remember the stories of, uh, of Elijah and Elisha and, I mean, all the, uh, the miracles that they did. Jesus himself even, even uh, uh, basically brought the dead back to life in his public ministry. But, you know, there's a difference in those people and everyone who dies in Christ following Christ's resurrection. You know what the big difference is? Those people had to die again. What a bummer that's got to be. I mean, you just got over all that, and then, and then you got to go do it again. You know, I mean, uh, I'm guessing that may be the reason that the Lord shouted like he did at, at Lazarus' tomb when he hollered, Lazarus, come forth. Somebody said he had to, he had to be sure to say Lazarus' name because if he had just stood up there and hollered, come out of the grave, everybody in the grave would have had to just come out. But, uh, uh, the truth is, I'm guessing that old Lazarus probably thinking, I don't know whether I want to come out or not. You know, I mean, after all, I gotta die again. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 and 23, says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward that they are, uh, they that are Christ at his coming. You see, when Jesus, when Jesus came out of the grave, he was the first to resurrect, never to die again. And when you and I resurrect, no more death. No more death for us. It's eternal life forever. That's what eternal, eternal life is about. It's life forever. So because of the resurrection, we are truly winners over death. Death's not a problem for us. I, uh, I, I, I had a, my pastor used to, used to tell me, he said, you know, we were, we were talking about, uh, uh, he, he was talking about how, how one day he wasn't feeling good or something, and he was, in fact, getting, uh, he, he was afraid it might be a sickness unto death. And he said, I said, man, you don't need to be checking out. He said, well, just don't be threatening me with heaven. You know, like, I'm not really, that's no threat. I mean, who cares? I mean, why would I want to stay here if I could go to heaven? Because of the resurrection, we're truly winners over death. Let me give you the second point. Not only are we winners over death, we're winners over the grave. And this may sound like it's redundant, but it's really not. We're winners over the grave. You see, the grave speaks of eternal separation from life. You walk out here to the, uh, to the cemetery, and you don't find a lot going on. You know, it's kind of quiet out there. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, there's not a lot of life happening out there at the cemetery. You know, it, uh, it's because it speaks of death. And death, and, 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 and the grave speaks of eternal separation from life. As believers, you and I, as I said before, have eternal life. We have eternal life. No, we don't inherit it. We have it. As believers, John 3.16 gives you a very, very clear 
Very clear understanding of that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said it in another way. That we have passed, have passed, from death unto life. No longer are we, are, uh, do we uh, have to think of, of this whole issue of dying and going to the grave as, as a final resting place. It's not my final resting place. Now, you want to talk about the grave, that's just a place that, uh, that this old body is going to be planted out there one of these days. Uh, but it's not the final chapter. You see, it is the, it's just the place where I, they're going to store this old wore-out body of mine. And then when Jesus comes for me, uh, you know, my final resting place is going to be heaven. Forever with him. Instead of eternal separation from God, we have eternal fellowship with God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or peril or sword? Verse 38 and 39, he goes on and says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, so many people are just bound by this whole issue of death and the grave. It's like we are shackled, like we are chained. We cannot, we are in bondage because of this issue of, of death and the grave. Well, I want to tell you, to know something about the resurrection is to know that the grave has no hold on this fella. This, the grave has no hold on anyone who has, who has called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted in his finished work on Calvary's cross and trusted in the message of the death, burial, and resurrection. I want you to listen as Becky comes and sings this song. Listen to the words of this song. They illustrate very clearly what I'm, what I'm trying to say.
The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine. Will be forever mine. You are forever mine. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. No longer bound by the fear of death. No longer bound by the fear of the grave. Let me give you one last thing, and it really is so appropriate right here. A lot of times we we find ourselves freed from the fear of death, freed from the fear of the grave. But what about a life that's got to be lived between now and the time that we do resurrect? We're winners over our own natural ways as well. You see, the problem is we are our own worst enemy. You know what? It's not just some pious thing that some preacher would stand and say. Paul said it this way, the great apostle Paul the man used more than any other human being to write more of the scripture than anybody else. Here's a guy you would think he never had a problem with sin. He never had a problem being tempted to fail. He never failed. But if you said all that stuff, you'd be just as wrong as could be. 
Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 7. If you'd like to read along with me. Romans chapter 7, and beginning with verse 14. Quite a long little passage, but it'll help you get some insight into what goes on in the lives and, and, uh, of every one of us, including the very best of us. Verse 14. He said, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Soul is a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know nothing. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. But in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. You see the ruler of our sinful nature rises up continually. By ourselves we are, we are miserably defeated. No matter how many times we dedicate ourselves to God in the flesh, we fail. Ever found yourself doing that? Saying, Lord, I've blown it again. Lord, it's me again. I failed you again. And you look at yourself and you say, I just can't get it done. Well, you're in good company. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. All the things that I want to do, I can't do them. All the things I know I shouldn't be doing, I do them anyway. He says, who will deliver me from this bondage of death? I'll tell you who. Verse ne uh, next verse, he tells us who. He says, it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's Him. It's His resurrection. It's knowing Him and the power of His resurrection. Because He lives today, we can live. Because He is a winner, we can be a winner. We identify with Him. We give ourselves wholly to Him. Christ's resurrection power is the answer to our victory. You see, the successful Christian life is a, is a supernatural life, which is a result of, of God's power being manifested in our lives because of our faith. 
in him to do so. You know, we talk about being crucified with him, and we talked about that last week. Just as we are crucified with him, or that we have died in him, we are also resurrected in him. Listen to what the scripture says. We were therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who's died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. It's Romans chapter 6. Amazing grace. My chains are gone. I'm no longer bound by this, this desire that I have to sin. For I have crucified it. It has been put to death in Jesus Christ. Knowing and appropriating this truth. Is the key to our daily victory over sin. We need to truly know the power of his resurrection. In doing so, not only will eternity be settled, but we'll be able to confidently redeem the time that we have here upon earth. You see, Christ's resurrection power is the answer for daily success in Christian living. If you're struggling with living for Christ, just stop and get to know the power of his resurrection. You see, it's the answer. It's the answer for knowing that what you've done during your life on earth was time well spent. Let me close with a story from James Dobson. I think it would do well just to give it to you in his own words. Dr. Dobson writes these words. One of my colleagues died during my last year at Children's Hospital. Having served on our university medical faculty for more than 25 years, During his tenure as a professor, he had earned the respect and admiration of both professionals and patients. 
especially for his research findings and contribution to medical knowledge. This doctor had reached the pinnacle of success in his chosen field and enjoyed the status and the financial rewards that accompanied such accomplishment. He had tasted every good thing by the standards of the world. Well, at the next staff meeting following his death, a five-minute eulogy was read by a member of his department. Then the chairman invited the entire staff to stand, as was our custom in situations of this nature, for one minute of silence in memory of the fallen colleague. I have no idea what the other members of the staff contemplated during the 60-second pause, but I can tell you what was going through my mind. I was thinking, Lord, is this what it all comes down to? We sweat and worry and labor to achieve a place in life, to impress our fellow men with our competence. We take ourselves so seriously, overeating to the insignificant events of each passing day. And finally, even for the brightest among us, all these experiences fade into history. And our lives are summarized with a five-minute eulogy and 60 seconds of silence. It hardly seems worth the effort, Lord. Dobson continues, but I was also struck by the collective inadequacy of that faculty to deal with the questions raised by our friend's death. Where had he gone? Would he live again? Will we see him on the other side? Why was he born? Were his deeds observed and recorded by a living God? Is that God interested in me? Is there meaning to life beyond investigative research and professorships and expensive automobiles? The silent response by 250 learned men and women seemed to symbolize our inability to cope with those issues. Then a wave of relief spread over me as I thought about the message of Christianity and the meaning of the cross. The good news provides the only satisfactory explanation for where, why we're here and where we're going. The final heartbeat for the Christian is not the mysterious conclusion to a meaningless existence. It is, rather, the grand beginning of a life that will never end. That's why we proclaim even at the graveside of a loved one, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I'm afraid that story could be repeated over and over and over. But the truth is, Jesus said for believers, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. And my question for you this Easter Sunday morning, is do you know him? Do you know the power of his resurrection? Will you bow your heads with me, please? Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. We're just about done. But let me ask you again. Do you know him? Do you know that you can be a winner over death? Do you realize that you 
Don't have to worry about the grave. It's not your, it, it doesn't have to be your final resting place. In fact, it's not going to be. Did you know that you can be a winner over your own sinful ways? You can. And it's all through Him. It's all because of Him. I wonder this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe there's someone here today, and I, I can't know the hearts of individuals, but I, I do know that, that God knows everything that goes on in each one of our hearts, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Can you look back to a time in your life when you truly trusted him as your personal Savior? You realize that Jesus died for you to pay for your sin and that you, you, in fact, like every other person, were guilty of sin. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none of us righteous, not one of us. You look back to a time when you called on the name of the Lord to save you. Folks, I'm not telling you, I'm not asking you if you were raised in a Christian home. I'm not asking you if you've always believed in God. I'm not asking you if you've all if you just kind of kind of just were brought up in a in a Christian uh, experience. I'm asking you, have you been born again? You see, Jesus said, "Except a man be born again, he'll not see the kingdom of heaven." The new birth to be born again means to means to be born again spiritually. It means to. To be honest with God and say, I, if I got des- what I deserved, I'd have to die and go to hell. But Jesus died for me. I don't have to do that. And so I'm going to accept the gift of forgiveness of my sin. And call on him. That's the new birth. Call on him believing that he's going to forgive you. And that, and that he's, going to, he's going to redeem you. I wonder this morning, if you can't say... Yes, preacher, I can look back to a time in my life when I trusted Christ personally. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer this morning. I want to make this as easy for you as I can, for I know it's hard for, for us to, uh, to, to be honest with ourselves. Our pride gets in the way and says, oh, I don't know about that. Or maybe our, our old nature has got us bound. I want to tell you, break loose. Let God, let God break those chains away from you this morning. Pray this simple prayer with me, believing in your heart that God hears you. And I promise you, he will hear you and he'll save you. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, you're not sure you're born again, pray a simple prayer with me. Pray it silently from your heart to God's and he'll hear you and he'll answer it. But you pray it with me right now. Dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I pray your forgiveness for my sins. I thank you for loving me enough to die for me, to pay for my sins. I believe that Jesus not only died on the cross to pay for my sins, but that he resurrected from the grave on the third day that I might live forever with him. So I receive him today as my personal Savior. And I ask you to come into my life, Lord Jesus, and into my heart and save my soul. And I give you my heart today. I give you my life. 
I thank you for saving me. Our heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. Let me say something to those of you who have already prayed a prayer similar to that. You know that you're saved, and if you died right now, you know you'd go to heaven. Just as the folks who just prayed this uh, this morning have that knowledge. But maybe you've been struggling with your flesh. You've been struggling to live for Christ. I wonder this morning if you'd just be honest with God and with yourself and say, I need to, I need to dedicate myself to, to the service of the Lord. I need to forsake. I need to forsake the flesh i need to be able to be willing to deny myself and to take up my cross daily and follow him as jesus said i should and i know i can do that by the power of his resurrection he'll give me the power because he lives today i can live but i want to reckon myself dead unto sin but alive unto god Father in heaven, this morning I pray for those of us who know the Lord Jesus, that every one of us would be just so keenly aware of our failures. Lord, and how that we have failed you and how that we have fallen short, even as your children. Lord, thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for loving us enough to save us from our sin. But Lord, we ask you right now to help us to live for you on a daily basis. To live in the power and strength of the Spirit of God. Lord, to, uh, to know that the power of His resurrection means that, uh, that, that we have a living Christ living in us. Oh, Lord God, help us to live for You. Forgive us where we fail You. Use us mightily and help us to know the power of Your presence with us every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Our heads are still bowed and our eyes are still closed. I wonder this morning, you know, when you pray to receive Christ, you make any decision for Christ, one of the greatest things you can do is to let someone know about it. I'd like to be able to pray for you this morning. Maybe you prayed this morning as a Christian. You you know the Lord Jesus. You've been struggling. Is there someone here this morning that I might be able to just pray with and, and pray for? As, as, as you continue to, to go through your Christian life, you need prayer as a believer today? Slip your hand up, would you? God bless you. God bless you and you and you. God bless you, folks. God bless you. All right. And I wonder this morning, if for someone who prayed this morning to receive Jesus today, I'd like to be able to pray for you as you begin your walk in the Lord. As you, as you, you're a spiritual baby right now, and God loves you very much, but it does something to, to have someone else praying alongside of you and partnering with you. I'd like to be able to pray for you as well. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ a moment ago, would you do as these folks have done? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just slip your hand up so I can see it. I'd like to pray for you as well. Would you just raise it? Say, Pastor, I've received Christ. Pray for me as I walk with him. Father in heaven, this morning, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you, Father, for the power of the resurrection. I thank you that the living Christ lives inside every one of us as believers. And we have power over 
death and we have power over the grave and we have power even over our sinful ways. Lord, thank you that we can live for you. God, help us each one uh, to be dedicated believers, consecrated, dedicated to the cause of Christ, knowing that everything we do is a reflection upon the one who loved us and gave us and gave himself for us. Lord, I pray that you'll help us as we live for you now. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen and amen. And amen.